This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond to the clubhouse to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Welcome to a Father's Day edition of Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. Boy, talking about legends yesterday, Target Field full of them today, our studios full of them. Derek Falvey is in studio for another edition of of Inside Twins. And first and foremost, happy Father's Day to you. Uh, your first Father's Day with two little ones crawling around the house. And I imagine, as always, it was a sleepless night. It, it cer- <laughs> certainly was. And uh, But happy Father's Day to you and, and to all those fathers out there listening to I want to leap off on that point before we go back to yesterday and some of the things going on in the organization. Um, your dad, his role, yeah. we saw Joe throw to his dad last night, yeah. you know, and I think we we're all crying. What was his role in your love of this game? Oh, man. I mean, my father's been there every step of the way for me. You know, I, I think back to T-ball and, and being out there on the field or just the batting practice that I took with him or just playing catch, you know, it's even to this day. Uh, we don't play catch as often anymore, but I, I think it, it's a lot of fun, and uh, and my father's a, a big part of my life on a lot of levels, and I'm, I'm sure he'll listen to the follow-up of this because he does every Sunday. Uh, so happy Father's Day to him. He's a, I love him. He's a great man. And now that you're working long hours, family of your own, do you ever go back and realize man when I wanted to play catch with dad you know he'd been driving that pile driver for 14 (laughs) hours all day and he just got home he probably wanted to just sit down and and catch his breath but he didn't he went out and threw with you I appreciate that more every day I woke up every morning my father was long gone he was gone out of the house well before the sun came up and then you know he'd be home the fortunate part of that is he'd be home a little more in the early evening you know and so um, I got a chance to play catch, but he just he went out there and he he continued to play, and and that I I respect that more as I get older. The sacrifices your parents made, they got you. You went to governors, and then you were at Trinity, and mm-hmm. you get all this education. Mm-hmm. And when you came home and said, "Yeah, pops, I'm going to take the uh, the camcorder and I'm going out to the Cape for the summer. I think this is what <laughs> I'm going to do with my life." What was the reaction? Are you crazy? Was it full on support? Uh, because you don't get to where you are without support, I no, would guess. No doubt. I will tell you that, that when you look back on that, the way you just described it, it is kind of funny to think, but that was the that's my parents, and that was my dad. They supported it you know, the whole way. They, they said, just keep keep fighting for your dreams, right? Keep going, and uh, they supported that every step of the way, and I'm, I'm only here today because of that. That's awesome. It's a great story. And speaking of awesome, yesterday was phenomenal. Not a dry Oof. eye in the house. The the number of people who turned out for Joe amongst his teammates, you, don't, you can't fake that. You can't fool anybody in a clubhouse. You watched most of Joe's career from the opposite dugout. 
probably gnashing your teeth an awful lot of the time. This is a guy whose presence inspired Max Scherzer to develop a curveball because he yeah. couldn't get him and Chew and Morneau out uh, over and over and over again when he was in the division. What were the perceptions of Joe from the other side, and then how did they meld with the realities of the Joe that you met when you got here? You know, I, from the other side, I thought he was superhuman. Like, the ability to not swing at a ball or hit every ball in the zone. You know, from the other side, working uh, when, uh, during some of his best years and just you, you almost were in awe of it all. And, and he would beat you up, and you'd, you'd hate it on the other side. Then you get over to, to now being a part of the Minnesota Twins and, and having worked with them for the last couple of, se- couple of years. And the person is really what stands out. This is truly, uh, you know, not every superstar in the world, I think, is, is as humble and connected uh, to the true meaning of why you go out and do this every day as Joe. And I just, I, I've come to respect him more than just about anybody I've come across in the game. He's truly one of the best, best there has ever been. When you see some of the things other people say, and to me it's his teammates, you know, Blake Parker's saying, I have new goals now about how to yeah. be a player, a father, a husband. Um, Jake Odorizzi, best teammate I ever had, was only with him for a year and and had Ari Adrianza, most impactful guy in my career, not to mention the guys who spent over a decade with Joe. I was always amazed. You'd go out on caravan with players going back to the Kadir era all the way to the young guys now, and one whole day would be spent with them marveling at Joe and the things that he could do, which just doesn't happen when you're talking already about the elite and what they do. Yeah, no. I, when these guys, these guys are all incredible professional athletes. Everyone you just mentioned are some of the best. And for them to look up to their peer that way, it just speaks to who he is you know, and, and the way he goes about his work. What people didn't see behind the scenes was all the preparation and all the time spent to get himself ready to go on the field and how much he cared about every single day to be a part of this organization. I think it came through yesterday in his speech, but you know, I, I saw him live it every day mm-hmm. and, and just be a part of he, what he means to the Minnesota Twins and, and what the Minnesota Twins in this region mean to him is very special and very unique. I don't, I don't know that you'll ever see that again. And, and as you said, to step out of the house every day, he had to. There was a certain comportment that he expected of himself, just going out to pick up the paper off the curb. So yeah, it's uh, special. And and he, and he never faltered from that. Let's get to to, to work stuff uh, organizationally. A couple things happened kind of under the radar, but not insignificant. Tyler J. Uh, to the Reds now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't work out for Tyler here. Hopefully it does there. It didn't work out for the Twins. But, again, a number six pick overall in the draft. Yep. He had injuries along the way. Uh, disappointing, I'm sure, for all parties involved. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly when you have a pick up, uh, up that high and when I came into the organization and I had met him, you know, he'd gone through some, faced some adversity and, and some challenges at the minor league level, some injuries, as you said, and otherwise. You know, the, the draft's a tricky mm-hmm. reality. You know, not every one of the players that gets selected up high turns into what you ideally want them to be at the major league level now. Uh, for Tyler, this just felt like the right fit for him maybe at this point uh, and, and for our minor league system and organization. Uh, but I wish him nothing but the best moving forward, and, and uh, I'm sure he's going to continue to progress and get himself ready to be a major league player. And on the same note, you talk about finding all avenues of talent acquisition, and this week the signing of a, a Cuban pitcher, and that's something that hasn't happened a lot here yeah. since this was the franchise back in Washington that really was the gateway for so much Cuban talent to flow into major league baseball, but in recent years that hasn't really yeah. been something or an area the Twins have have gotten to. Tell us about this young man and kind of how this came together. Well, Cano's is somebody that our scouts had seen, you know, when he when he originally defected from Cuba and was working out, and we saw him in some international tournaments. You know, it's a big arm, it's a big velocity arm with a good slider. You know, he's 25 years old, so we think there's a chance that he's good once he gets. Uh, 
procedurally with all the paperwork and gets through everything. He could start at a higher level than your normal international signing. Uh, but we like him. You know, we, we think it's a good arm. Fred Guerrero, Mike Radcliffe, our international group, they, they, got, they got to scout him, got a good chance to look at him. And we were fortunate because we acquired some additional international cap space in the earlier trade of Zach Granite that essentially allowed us to then go get this player. And I think anytime you're adding more talent to the system, I did talk to Tony Oliva yesterday about him. Oh, he said he he's going to talk to his brother and everyone <laughs> to get all the background. So uh, we certainly have uh, some good Cuban connections here. And, and when you think about what someone has to go through to get where he is, mm -hmm. I mean, we want to talk about resilient. Uh, you can't fake that. No question. Those, you know, what I what I've come to appreciate more and more in my career, especially having gone down to Latin America and seen players in the Dominican or Venezuela. You know, haven't been to Cuba, obviously, but just seeing players come out of Cuba and, and knowing what they go through to be on the on the radar of a major league team, it's not easy. And, no. and I respect that quite a great deal. And and speaking of the the international signing, you know, people talk about the draft all the time, and maybe oh, I, we missed on Tyler J. I want to go back because I I see it every day with this club, Polanco Sano Kepler the same year, sure. international signings. Mm -hmm. That will potentially go down as one of the great off-seasons in Twins history, won't it? That's a great class. I mean, I remember I, I saw Max when he was a young kid over in, in Italy. He was playing in a tournament. And I remember when he was growing, and then, you know, Sano was certainly such a high-profile guy. That was an incredible class. Guys like Gary Sanchez came out of that class. You know, Jose Iglesias had come over from Cuba at that point. It was a very deep class, but the Twins did a really good job, Fred and Mike in particular, identifying some really good talent in those three guys. Now, speaking of talent, Edwin Encarnacion goes to to New York. I don't think anyone's shocked that he was traded, but maybe a little surprised at how early it happened. And as we sometimes see, that that can force hands. That can create a bit of a frenzy. Is this a domino-type trade where you'll see some teams starting to move quicker? You know, I, I look at it every year. There's probably about two to three June trades every year that happen earlier than you would have expected. Uh, but most of this activity tends to come in July. So I remember a few years ago, Jeff Samarja being a trade mm -hmm. that was a little bit earlier at a, a late June pr uh, period of time. I think each team's going to look at it differently. Each situation's going to present differently. Uh, we continue to be active in conversations, and you know, ultimately we'll see where, where things where the chips fall late in July. Just when we thought we wouldn't have to see Encarnacion at Target Field again, and he's going to get three more games <laughs> in his favorite part. He's a tough hitter. I mean, he's <laughs> a really good hitter. He's been a professional hitter for a long time. So uh, hopefully we can uh, we can keep him keep him under wraps. Taking the parrot to the Bronx. All right, we'll take a break. Derek Falvey's our guest. It's Inside Twins. Something new when we come back. We've dabbled in this before. We're going to hear an earlier conversation I had with Director of Baseball Operations Daniel Adler, and then we'll hear more about what he has to say from Derek Falvey as uh, we get a little behind the curtain in the Twins front office. It's a Father's Day edition of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. Glad to have you with us on a full Sunday from Target Field right here on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to another edition of Inside Twins. We're trying something a little new this year as what we're essentially going to do is, is kind of introduce some people to the folks who are heavily involved in what's going on in the organization, but maybe not out front and center all the time. And one of those guys is Daniel Adler, Director of Baseball Operations. And when you talk about expansion of the office, you said you bring in analysts, and then you also bring in the people who are actually coding and writing and building your systems. How do those work hand in hand, and where do you find people like that? They don't always come from inside baseball because this is a bit of a tip of the spear situation across the industry. Uh, so differentiate those roles for me first and foremost, and then 
for people who might be listening, who might have certain skill sets, or, or what are you looking for in people to fill those roles? Yeah, first I'll kind of talk about, I guess, the some of the differences between analysts and developers. And that's not always a super firm line. Certainly, some of our analysts will dabble in computer development, and some of our developers <laughs> will uh, <laughs> will dabble in analysis. But essentially, analysts are mostly producing the models that we use to assess players, to project players. And so somebody may build a model saying, this is how we expect this person to improve in terms of hitting on a few different factors. And then our developers are the ones who will take that information and think about how do we want to present that to people throughout the organization. Just the idea of having one source of truth through the organization, having a place where if a minor league hitting coach sees something happening, he can log that information. Everybody in the organization then knows about it. He can also track and see the same stuff we're looking at in the front office, how guys improving. That is extremely important and something I think our developers really play a key role when something just sits on an analyst's computer doesn't really get a lot of play but once it actually shows up in our baseball system now that can lead to a conversation that Derek, Thad, Rob they can all see it, Jeremy Zoll Alex Hassan in player development they can see it so it's really important that everybody's just looking at the same stuff I know it sounds simple but that has led to amazing gains you spend time with minor league coaches and it this is maybe a little hokey, but it kind of warms the heart that they are talking about a lot of the same things when they're looking at pitchers. They're talking about the same things that our analysts are talking about, and that is directly because we have given them the tools to look at players in a way that's somewhat similar to the way we do, and then also they, they say, hey, you're missing this, and we can improve. Well, and that's another part of it, the inputs as to what would go into this recipe that you're baking. There are certain skills that will translate. Maybe you were doing modeling in the financial industry, maybe in the tech industry in some capacity. You can translate some of those skills, but this is the baseball industry, so there has to be an elemental input on that end as well, does there not? For sure, and I think we have a mix of people in terms of you know our most recent hires. Some have had heavy baseball experience, so uh, Hans Van Sluten, who joined us, is one reference. of our developers. He's from Baseball Reference, so you know, he knows the baseball world, or especially baseball data, extremely well. And then some of our newer hires as analysts uh, you know, were baseball fans, but definitely didn't follow baseball extremely closely. You know, we have engineers coming from PhD programs. We have people coming from areas far, far outside of baseball. And you know, a lot of the problems we're working at are you know, just as much physics problems as they are baseball problems. The voice of Director of Baseball Operations, Daniel Adler, here on Inside Twins. I picture him wearing a sleeveless, one sort of truth t-shirt walking around the, the office after that. And Derek, uh, you've known Daniel for a long time. He's a brilliant guy, uh, a huge asset to the organization. A couple of the things he said I want to get your input on. G- give me, for instance, a physics problem versus a baseball problem. <laughs> that's a, That's an interesting question. You know, I would say... When you think about pitch movement uh, for for how pitches actually move and approach the plate, you don't think about that in in terms of physics typically, but it really is a physics issue. You know how a ball spins impacts how much it moves. When we all watch a we call it a nasty breaking ball, and you see the depth to it, well, there's actually some physics elements to that that maybe there's really high spin or really efficient spin in the way it comes out of a guy's hand. In some players' cases, the ball actually comes out with a little bit of wobble, so to speak. So we would call that inefficient spin. Well, that's a physics problem that we can then link up to what a coach is trying to do to make a player better. How do you figure out if the models work? 
It's a great question. We do a lot of what's called, uh, Daniel didn't touch on it there, but uh, it's a big part of his job is data validation, which is you need to be able to take any information you have, uh, any model you have, apply it to prior seasons and see if it spits out the outputs that you would, that we actually did see come. So it's not perfect. No models are one to one. You know, think of it more like you, the way you think about your retirement and your investments. Is Wait, you hand <laughs> you, you hand money over to somebody and they build some <laughs> systems and they make decisions on your retirement going forward. It's kind of like that. You know, it's it's we are looking at trying to predict the future in an unpredictable world, but try and be as accurate as possible moving forward. So we test our models looking backward to see what it would have predicted for the years 2005, 2006, 2007, much in the way investment strategies work. I didn't know about this retirement. I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> I've been in radio for far too long for, for that to have been a thing. Uh, you mentioned pitching and, and wobble and inefficient spin. That's your, that's your deal. That's where you started. You're a pitching guy. Oftentimes when you're really good at something, you keep getting promoted and you get further away from the stuff that you actually really love doing. Are you going through any of that now? Yeah, well, you know, I, I definitely I miss some of the you know the aspects of the job that I did on a daily basis when I first came into baseball. But the the benefit is you continue to learn and grow, and then you hire a lot of people that know a lot of things you don't know. I mean, my my goal, Daniel's one of them, is to hire people who continue to be smarter than me and, and better at the jobs <laughs> that I was, and and make us better. Ultimately, that that's that's what we're committed to. Is uh, I want every person that we hire to have a chance to take over the job that's in front of them because the idea behind that is you're hiring really good people who are going to work together and put you in a good position. How do you find those guys? Because a lot of people who might be most aggressive in saying, hey, I'm not from baseball, but I'm a fan. I want to work on a baseball team. That might not be the exact person you want. You can't just case out physics labs. I mean, where do you find these people? You know, we look for people that are that are really uh, have done some unique things in their careers and and have a passion and a desire to grow and continue to get better. You know, one of the things that we're saying right now that I'm I'm really proud of is and Daniel touched on it. So we have a number of people from outside of of baseball and different backgrounds. I would argue that we have probably the most uh, diverse front office in terms of background and information. We have maybe more women, more gender diversity than any baseball front office in the game with people with different perspectives and, and different and different schooling so I and, and different work life experiences so I think that what we do is w we seek certain types of people we try and invest in our um, our connections and, and relationships that we have in other parts of the world I I firmly believe the, the people that uh, know baseball and development you know that they aren't just baseball people they're people from outside of, of the baseball industry outside of sport altogether and we continue to tap into those people at uh, high end companies, whether it's Google or other places where we have some connections to find people that may have a passion for this sport. Awesome stuff. Derek Falvey, this is Inside Twins. We've got one final segment. We'll bring it back and uh, chat a little bit about the current state of the club when we return on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back. It's our final segment here on Inside Twins. It's a Father's Day edition. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. Stick around, pregame lineup card coming up. And then obviously Twins trying to complete the sweep against a division foe in the Kansas City Royals. Uh, biggest issue team-wise right now, Derek, Byron Buxton's health. For me, he's the most indispensable part of an incredibly deep and talented team because you just can't replicate what he does with other human beings. And it doesn't appear to be all that serious right now, but certainly I would guess you'll be careful. Yeah, we'll be very careful. You know, the, the, the first day when he got hit and we knew he came in, he was sore. He didn't hit that last time up at bat. And, and we just wanted to make sure everything was good. You do x-rays at the ballpark because we have the ability to do that. We wanted to take the additional step of getting an MRI the following day, make sure there wasn't anything we were missing. Sometimes there's things you can pick up on MRI that you can't on x-ray. 
All in all, good. So, you know, from a fracture standpoint, no issues. Now, there's some soreness and some swelling. It's going to take a little while for that to get out. I think this is going to be a day-to-day situation for us until we know he's fully good, ready to go because we don't want him chasing down feeling pain. You're going to have to lock him in a closet or something. He's a guy who played with a broken hand when he was in high school. Yeah, told, we t- Rocco, we kind of ex- explained that to Rocco a little bit that he was going to have to talk to him, <laughs> but I think Rocco got a really good one-on-one conversation with him yesterday that said, listen, we are going to tell you when you could swing and do all those things because he does. He fights through I think back even to last year, he Mm -hmm. fought through some times when I think we could have had more conversations about, you know, how he was feeling and want to make sure that we put him in the best position to be successful. You've been in here like 25 minutes and fans will want to know why you haven't acquired four or five closers in the span (laughs) that we've been talking. It's funny because bullpens are a hot topic. You win with bullpens. We're going to build a bullpen centric league. And yet we face teams time and time again who when the bullpen door comes open, it's a gasoline can. There's... It seems like, yes, there's great relievers. They might all be on like three or four teams <laughs> right. right now. What is that market? Because obviously you're never going to rest in your Yeah, we'll, we'll never rest. And, and, you know, it's funny. You, you're exactly right. You know, we're not alone in, the, in that market, <laughs> un- unfortunately. Uh, just trying to find ways to get better. I mean, our focus daily here is on the guys who are here and continuing to put them in positions to be successful. I'm really proud of the work that Taylor Rogers has done or guys like Ryan Harper to step into big roles. I think we have guys in that clubhouse right now that are really going to help us toward the back end of games. At the same time, we... We are certainly surveying the market. I don't anticipate that going that quickly, especially in the reliever market. Uh, I think if you read the newspaper of any of the 30 current markets, or at least the ones that are clearly in you know, a, a playoff position or charging for it, the focus is usually bullpen. So we're well, going to just find a way. Well, there's two right? There's go get help, and then the other half is take our guy. Right. Take our expensive <laughs> right. closer. We're 20 games under. Right, exactly. It, it's, it's a challenge. You know, I think that's probably the most volatile area of our game is, is bullpen pitching. I think year to year, you have a pretty good idea maybe of position player projections we talked earlier about models I think there's it's a little bit harder in the bullpen that's just reality so we need to find the right mix as we go through the course of a season all right well well, apologies to fans the phone hasn't rung yet but (laughs) you have the rest of the day to work on that enjoy your father's day as always we appreciate your insight and your uh, thoughtfulness as you join us here in studio and uh, we'll uh, see if the twins can finish off this week well thanks for having me and happy father's day to everyone out there that's Derek Falvey CBO of the Minnesota Twins and this is Inside Twins brought to you by Killerbury Root Beer Made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. Pleased to have you with us on this Father's Day. Stick around. Pre-game lineup card coming up next. Twins and Royals right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.